Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, the allure of cosmetics, boosts, and customizations have always been a way to hold on to a gamer's attention hoping for that one drop. That one rare skin that makes you look like Darth Vader, or maybe the butterfly knife that displays the logo of your favorite esports team. There's always a hook to keep you playing those games. But the C-suite executives in these gaming companies knew that gamers were eager for faster progression, or for the quick fix of a particular drop. So they capitalized on it and embraced the microtransaction model. Games that you wouldn't expect to take advantage of this path are now shifting gears, and popular franchises have moved into the profitable and sometimes predatory space. What does the actual industry look like with this model, and how does it affect your time playing games? Let's talk about it in this week's episode, Microtransactions. My name is Travis Sherman, and, of course, as always, I'm joined by Kyle Inman. Kyle, hello. What's up? Well, uh, if you want to find out what's up, you're going to need to pay $1.99 to unlock the NPC credit. And uh, with that, then you'll be able to actually find out what's going on. Oh, and then for maybe another $4.99, we can unlock an extra, I don't know, 800 coins that you can spend in-game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you unlock the NPC token, then you can actually buy NPC coins with it, and then you use that in podcasts to be able to do different things. So, yeah, be- better be getting on it. Doesn't it the uh, microtransaction model sound like some, I don't know, almost archaic, dark, uh, predatory... Uh, like adult website like the way they would charge you for things well i'm glad at least it hasn't gotten the way of like you know limewire when we were kids with the earlier days of the internet and it's like oh i want to go get this this uh you know go pay for like this microtransaction or whatever and it's like you know counter-strike you know csgo butterfly knife skin for uh for ninjas in pajamas.exe you know and i i blow up everything on my computer right so, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, we are here to talk about microtransactions this week because several weeks ago, actually, this is something that we talked about. And of course, it's been a little while since we've done a podcast, but it's been sitting there with us for a while bothering us. And it was a streamer, and I have to apologize for this. I don't remember the name, but a streamer who spent $16,000 or just under $16,000 in Diablo Immortal to unlock a level five, I think it was a level five gem or a level five crest or something. Yeah, I can't remember what exactly it, it was, but it was it, a legendary it's drop. Like, yeah, it's a le- um, level five legendary gem that's basically, um, I, I think it was at that point required to beat the game. I don't know if they've patched it since, and I don't know if it's necessarily true, but it's basically like the holy grail of, of what is in infinite and yeah he he spent he spent the money and mined it out and of of course you know being a uh extremely popular twitch streamer he he had you know enough backing to do so but immediately after doing it deleted his profile in disgust yeah so i got the article up here and this was from june 20th and this is streamer Quinn sixty nine out of New Zealand spent twenty five thousand one hundred and sixty five uh, New Zealand dollars fifty seven cents, 
which is uh, just under $16,000 US. And what he unlocked is called Echoing Shade, and it is a five-star gem, so five stars, or at least stars being the rating system. But yes, you're right. He bought it, and then he went, and instead of just un uninstalling the game, he completely deleted his profile in there, just gone. Out of, so, out of pure disgust. Yeah, exactly. And he only did it to really prove a point. I mean, he made enough money just through, I guess, whatever donations he had made to actually go and and pull the stunt. But it really opened up a lot more eyes again back into the chaos of microtransactions, you know, even though everybody knew what we were kind of already getting into with Diablo Immortal in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, I and, well, obviously, it's like this isn't the only game that has a microtransaction system in it, and it's not the only game that's had a microtransaction system that seems overbearing, at least. You know, there's several others, I'm sure, that are out there that are just as bad. But, uh, I mean, the, this one just happens yeah. to be right at the forefront, especially, you know, with it being extremely new. And the fact that, I don't know, it, aside from, you know, having the uh, season pass that, you know, we've already, of course, touched on season passes. And we'll, we'll I, I guess, kind of touch on again off and on throughout this discussion. But they do. They have all sorts of microtransactions. You have in-game currency, and then on top of the in-game currency, they have cosmetics or items that you can buy with just real-world money. Exactly. And even the same article here from Video Games Chronicle that talked about it said that uh, says here, one analysis uh, released shortly after launch suggested it could cost up to 110000 US dollars to fully max out a post-game character with legendary gems. 110 That's grand. Incredible. That will buy incredible. you a Tesla Model X if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to think that, you know, this is kind of where we've really gotten with microtransactions and how in our face they are with everything, or more so that they've really crept up into a lot of these game series that we would never ever consider them being in in the first place. And it, it was like I said there in the intro anyway, is that a lot of them are embracing this model. A lot of them are saying, hey, this makes sense for these other games. Why don't we do it? And it feels like it kind of detracts away from being able to play the game almost in the first place because it's, you know, there are some that, oh, I don't know, some that don't necessarily impact the ability to play the game but it becomes one of those status things where people like want to have the top tier stuff. So they're going to go and spend the money and they're going to throw that in your face. The, the mm -hmm. game devs and that are going to put it right in there. And for some of these titles, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. Well, I, I mean, on the other side of that though, you, you look at like certain games, like uh, this was, I think two years ago now, or yeah, about two years ago. Um, in Call of Duty Warzone, there was that character skin that you, it was a separate purchase that you had to make, but it basically was like cheating because it was a blackout skin. Oh, right. I remember that. It skin. made you yeah. incredibly hard to see. Yeah, that was, oh yeah, that was definitely a big one, but uh, that definitely offers that net advantage, especially for something like that. And I would but even in a look sense, at... I mean, it, 
it's like a pay to win aspect. It, it it's just another microtransaction to to lure you in to to get you to more more players to to buy that one single item because you know everyone else is using it to get the one advantage and you know why shouldn't you have that same edge up right and you know you make an excellent point i guess what we could do here with this episode is really kind of like compare and contrast between the different microtransaction systems and the ones that we've experienced through the years and kind of go around talking about what we're seeing that is working that isn't necessarily a problem, but is something to keep an eye on versus the things that are truly like the the in-your-face predatory ones. And I'd like to start off with a good one, um, and that actually happens to be, and I know this is silly because it's going to turn negative anyway after this, but a good one I'd consider would be Overwatch, for example. So mm-hmm. Overwatch's system is, at least in the existing Overwatch 1, its system is all based on loot boxes. So their microtransaction system is all about cosmetics. That includes skins, that includes voice lines, that includes the sprays. That's really where they focus on their stuff at. Now, you can't trade those off. You can't earn any money off of those skins after you unbox them from their loot crates. But there's no net advantage you gain by actually having one of those skins, unless maybe your hitbox tweaks a tiny bit, but I don't even think that's been the case. But I would consider that one at least a net positive when it comes to it, because it doesn't alter the ability to play the game. It doesn't change anything about being able to play. But on the inverse, and Kyle, we had talked about this when they announced it too, for the changeover to Overwatch 2, they are now getting rid of the loot box system and going to the battle pass system. Which, I mean, let's face it, they're gonna they're probably gonna go to a similar format to what they have in Fortnite. You have your season pass that you're able to to purchase, and then there'll be um an a la carte system of of skins that you can buy currently for that week, or, you know, maybe they'll have one that rotates out as a daily, you know, but I, I feel like you're going to see a lot more variety of skins or a lot more people just with the same skin. Cause they're buying every skin. I, I, I don't know. It's a possibility of going, you know, either way it, it, it's the same as Fortnite, though. If you really think about it, though, there 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 are tons of kids that you know they'll they'll pick up you know at least one or two skins a season aside from you know the season pass. So that's how many you know how much money that they're spending each season, like fifty bucks just on skins, on cosmetics alone. Yeah, that's that's one thing too. Is that it can be kind of predatory to have like like I was saying there is like, you know, it could have one of those like top tier skins that, you know, the only way you're going to get it is you have to work your way by, you know, you're either going to pay for the battle pass and work your way through it. Uh, You're going to either buy that individual thing if it's available or just hope for some sort of like random chance drop if that model exists. But in the case of Overwatch, it's not going to anymore. Right. And there, there's no saying, you know, of how they're going to do it. If it's going to just be cash, the cash, or if you're going to have to buy their in-game currency, or you know, once you buy the season pass, that's it. You know, that that's all they're going to do. There's not going to be a side store. 
So we don't know a ton about that one as of yet, other than they're just doing the, they are for sure doing the season pass model, which I guess that's fine in a way. If you miss out on something, then you miss out. But it does get people to, I guess, participate more in, in the purchase every season if they want the skins that they see in that season, rather than, you know, trying to bid for loot boxes and get that chance. Um, but I don't know. that the, You look at other games, and they'll have two or three currencies that are going at the same time. You know, you'll have your, your regular in-game currency that you can earn just, you know, willy-nilly off of your enemies. You have your in-game currency that um, is, like, special, and then you have an ultra-special in-game currency that you have to pay extra for um, aside from the, the in-game currency that you pay for. So you'll maybe you'll have to use that in-game currency that you pay for to buy the special in-game currency. And actually, so technically, you're still buying it to buy currency, which is dumb, but I've seen it in games. No, and I have as well, too. And now that we talked about at least like one good one there, like with or at least like with Overwatch, what it's doing now, you know, and then there's this problem that's coming up with Overwatch 2 and what this battle pass is actually going to look like um, and, and whatever microtransactions they're going to be coming out with. On a negative side, though, with like especially the predatory side of it, um, I would actually go and look at the wargaming catalog of games, which includes things like World of Warships and World of Tanks as predatory. And this one, I think, actually, like if I remember right, this one blew your mind. So I play World of Warships with my kids, and uh, I'm also a big Transformers fan. And they happen to have a in-game skin bundle for Transformers that would let you have ships that were skinned with themes similar to, say, like Optimus Prime or Grimlock or uh, Megatron or uh, Starstream. You know, you have those. It's like, hey, those look really cool. And you even have like a, a little one of those Transformers. Like you'd have Grimlock at the at the helm of a ship, basically just in a little gunner's position. It just looked really cool. It's like, okay, that's awesome. That's really neat to see. Well... What we discovered, looking at it closer, is that to be able to get that bundle that actually had them in there in the first place, it was going to cost you in-game currency that you had to buy separate. It was going to cost you 260 again, $260 to get eight skins and some other unlocks and things like that. But $260 for World of Warships just to be able to get this themed thing here. And some of them you could only purchase in that pack. There were a few ones that you could buy individually. Yeah. But to get the uh, really good ones, essentially, you had to buy the pack. Yeah. And they weren't even necessarily just like skins either. It was also like you were buying the ship, though, too. So when yeah. you're paying this kind of money, you're also unlocking that advantage because these were like, you know, I think the maximum tier you can go up to in ships is like tier 10. But these were like tier seven, tier eight ships that you could unlock that way by paying for them, which then gives you a net advantage depending on how well you do with the game anyway. But to do it, you don't use the in-game currency that you can earn. That's called silver, and that's what you use normally for rearming your ship, for unlocking new things for your ship, or going up to new tiers of ship, like you're, you're going through like the technical upgrade path. You don't use any of that for this. You use their in -game, other in-game currency called doubloons, which is just you know copper, really, more than anything. And to even get close to unlocking or to 
get, or excuse me, getting close enough to actually get that amount of uh, currency, the highest tier pack they sell of doubloons is 50,000 of them for $198. You're still off by about 10 to 15,000 doubloons to be able to actually get that Transformers bundle in the first place. It's obscene, isn't it? Totally. Like, I, I, can you imagine if your, your kids just were like, you know, hey, dad, can I, can I use the card to, to buy a skin off a game? And all of a sudden that charge showed up on your card? Yeah, especially for like those parents who are kind of like blissfully unaware of this type of microtransaction environment. You know, we, we think like skins and such though too for some of these other games and and you and I have an idea of what costs are like in mm. our mind anyway that we're not going to immediately go blind and just say yeah sure go ahead and go for it you know we understand that these types of things can come up these types of situations can come up so to those who aren't truly aware of the type of cost yeah there are people out there who are doing things like this and letting their kids go and do it on their own and end up with a $260 charge to wargaming.net because because they weren't, you know, they weren't properly looking into this before their kid went and did it. And that's that's a big issue. That's part of that predatory thing. But I think part of that is on the the game companies to like you said being predatory. Oh, yes. In, especially in the sense that, you know, you look about the escalating costs of the microtransaction Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was like 99 cents, you know, pretty much 99 cents would buy anything in a game. I like you know, how you say just, back in the day, and it feels like this was only like maybe five years ago. Yeah. We're old, that, that, Kyle. It, <laughs> yeah, it's like five, six years ago, 99 cents was like a skin. That That's not a big deal. You know, a season pass was, you know, five, ten dollars. Now you're spending 15 to 25 dollars for a season pass on a game that's anywhere from 30 days to three months on in I I'd say 80% of instances roughly, you know, I mean, you, you have the, the outliers like, uh, Halo infinite with, with seasons that are like six, uh, six months long. And that, that's pretty weird, but you know, yeah. And like for the, that's what really gets to be is also the length of these things being available too is also one of those other predatory things like Halo Infinite especially is a good example because Halo Infinite really changed the model where the campaign you paid for but the multiplayer side is free and that that goes back into one of those examples from the intro is that a game series Halo was never like this in the first place and now mm-hmm. here it is where they split off the multiplayer is free to play and you can go and buy skins, you can go and buy these packs, you can go buy a battle pass and 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 contribute, I guess, to the microtransaction economy by spending money in there. You don't have to, to play the game, because all it is is just well, those skins anyway. You know, and I, I don't think they're the first company that have, has necessarily tried this this particular model of, you know, the multiplayer is free and the campaign you pay for. Um, but... I think it's probably the biggest game that's ever done it. And, you know, it, it's something that some some people in the industry have kind of strived for for a long time, you know. I mean, they've all, people have always included the multiplayer with the, the campaign. Why not just let people play it for free anyway? Because there's such a small 
group of people that have bought the game that necessarily engage in the multiplayer when there's people that would play the multiplayer and not even play the single player campaign. So just let them play the multiplayer and then maybe we can squeeze them another way. Yeah, but that ends up still like that's still just another one of those really weird predatory spots, though, too, that you can get people into. And it's one of those interesting parts, too. Like, uh, what was it? We did a episode of the Open Critic Weekly Recap podcast last summer where we talked Mm -hmm. about financial results from 2K. And their most profitable games ended up being, uh, what was it, NBA 2K22, I think, at that point, or NBA 2K21. I can't remember what version it was at that point. But then they also talked about Grand Theft Auto Online. And the amount of money that they made on those games alone was, quite frankly, the microtransaction part of it. Billions of dollars. I think they accounted for like 40 to mm-hmm. 50% of their their transactions. And that's just an obscene amount of money to see people actually spending and giving to these companies again, actually like, you know, after having purchased something. Cause at that point in time, like NBA 2K 21, 22, whichever version it is, that's a game you have to actually go and just buy for 60, $70 grand theft auto online only went free to play. I think late last year, earlier this year and was bundled in with grand theft auto five. So you had to own five. Yeah, but at one point, you could purchase just the multiplayer by itself. And it was like $20 to buy just the multiplayer. And you could play only the multiplayer and not have access to the campaign. Well, then there's there's still that. But again, it's it's another one of those levels where the predatory part of it anyway just seems to hit there that, you know, it, it is one of those things with GTA is that it's like the faster you can go, if you can fly, you can do any of that, the the better you are with GTA. You know, it does offer you some sort of potential net advantage on other things you can do. Thus being like the predatory part where people are going to spend money to be better. And I think one of the good examples of that side of it, quite frankly, I think for coming up in my memory is EA's version of star Wars battlefront two. Ooh, it hurts, doesn't that it? One's, that one's heartbreaking because uh, you you think about how the uh, first game went and it fell flat on its face. And um, I want to say the first game had some microtransaction stuff too. But then the second one really just... It, it's the one that ignited the fire with the uh, the litigation in in actual courts over you know microtransactions being gambling and um i i think that was the the one thing that was the the true kindling to the bonfire yeah because you could pay i think like we used the example there with diablo immortal where those analysts had figured out like it was going to be about 110 grand there i think battlefront 2 was significantly less than that i think they said like somewhere below 10 grand it was above five grand but it was below 10 that you could unlock every single card through microtransaction purchases and get yourself to the point where new players would hop on that same day the game released and have other players just completely decimating them because they went purchased all the unlocks that they needed to to gain that net advantage Mm -hmm. which i i mean that that's totally ridiculous when you think about it i oh yeah absolutely I, I just, you know, 
number one, I can't I can't imagine spending ten thousand dollars on a game that I already purchased anyway. Like I I I was a little miffed, you know, when when I purchased Overwatch and they they had the the loot boxes. But you think about it, they give you loot boxes too. They every time you level up or you know if you if you do something that's not necessarily popular at the time or it's a new thing on the playlist, your first time playing it, you get a loot box. So you're constantly getting free loot boxes. You don't had you, you didn't have to purchase them. Whereas, you know, other other games, you, you would have to purchase the cosmetics, of course, but... Absolutely. And, you know, that's an interesting one, too, is that, you know, in some of the positives is that you would earn loot boxes through a majority of these games by leveling up. And maybe there would be certain, like, events going through the year where you would log in, like, on the first day of that event and have, like, four or five loot boxes ready to go. And so you have that potential to get something there without, you know, necessarily paying for anything. And at least it doesn't feel like you're being cheated out of it, I guess. But but it's at least Battlefront something. was completely different. I mean, true, 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 true. Yeah, like your your loot box, you could open it and you could you could get nothing but common items. It was completely random what you got, and a lot of times I think the percentage of what you could get for like uh, something like an actual hero was less than 1% or it was like 1 point something percent. So it was ridiculously low. Yeah. And that's where it actually, that's an interesting one to kind of segue into here is talking about the, um, is talking about those percentages, uh, especially when it comes to like microtransactions, because not only did China crack down on this, but so did, I believe, the EU, and I don't know if it was, I, I don't think it was the collective United States anyway, but I feel like it was a large swath of states actually stepped up and mm -hmm. made it so that way these game developers and game publishers had to include statistics on what the chances were for their loot boxes to give something, or, or at least like here are the different values, like here's the percentage of being able to get a legendary drop. Here's the percentage of being able to get this. And it was all funneled into the idea of kids basically gambling when it came to getting loot boxes because it was a gamble or it still is really to this day. You don't know what you're going to unlock from one of these cases or one of these loot boxes. And you might not end up with something that you want. And so you're just going to go back buying and keep going and going. Yeah, but that that didn't necessarily justify EA's claim in in court that it was a uh, surprise mechanics that they were relying on for the uh, loot boxes in games like Battlefront, FIFA, and you know their other sports titles. Oh yeah, and the sports ones. I mean, the shooters and the sports games seem to be the most chaotic out of it when it comes to the amount of money spent in there. I mean, I've got like, you know, I I had some statistics pulled up here. Um, well, and even I had become yeah. victim of, you know, some of the, the shooter uh, cosmetics. I, I know on, what was it, uh, the Call of Duty Infinite and on Call of Duty, I think it was Modern Warfare and on a little bit on Black Ops, I spent money on cosmetics, probably, I'd say, upwards of uh, 120 bucks, 150 bucks, somewhere in there, just on cosmetics outside of the season stuff that I earned 
and the uh, coins that I earned outside of the season. But besides Just cause, that, you know, I was playing it continuously at the time and I was like, you know what? Screw it. Whatever. I'm going to change it up a little bit and look different just for one for for a little bit, just because, you know, I need something interesting with the game. Right. And there are those impulse purchases where it is like maybe the one thing in particular that you you see and you want to be able to get. And a lot of games are at least mm-hmm. opening up the option to do that. So you don't spend all this money going through and getting every loot box possible because some of that is even consequences of the different court battles and different cases that have come up and ways to appease the the governments of these different countries that are trying to crack down on it because like this statistic here from uh, uh, Statista from 2021 says consumers are predicted to spend $65.1 billion on in-game purchases this year, 65 billion on in-game purchases. And that's, that's obscene. That's, that's insane for like in-game purchases. And that's not even specifically like talking about free to play games. That's talking about just in-game purchases in general. So that's microtransactions, $65 billion. Well, and, you know, you think about the fact that there are so many games now that are that are so niche for so many people, you know, or, or not even necessarily niche, but so enjoyable by such a broad audience, uh, especially when you look at uh, mobile devices um, in, in the cell phone market, microtransactions reign king. Um, and I don't just mean that by, you know, the, the, the company that, you know, makes candy crush or whatever. Um, there are a lot of companies that rely on microtransactions or, you know, have moved back and forth from microtransactions to, and, and season pass formats, um, just to, to gain money from people. Um, on these free-to-play games and it's worked for how many years and and netted them millions of dollars yeah and it's so easy for someone on a cell phone especially you know if they're you know 15 or 65 to just say oh you know i'll spend 99 cents and, and clear this level or get this boost or you know get the extra life Oh, yeah. And how fast that that can add up because you don't think about those costs like all building up together. You think 99 cents, 99 cents, 99 cents. That's that's Mm -hmm. where the problem ends up coming in. That was one of those things that Apple got into trouble with or at least addressed because of parents who were letting their kids play on their iPhones or their iPads and were triggering these transactions for things in games without some sort of block feature on there. Right. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But before we carry on to the rest of the stuff we want to talk about with this, because I especially want to talk about like the gray areas when it comes to the microtransaction model, we're going to take a quick break. And then, yeah, we'll come right back and we'll talk about those gray areas. And we're back. All right, so where I left us off there at the break was the gray area of microtransactions. And that's where it's one of those things where, Hey, this looks, this looks like a good thing. This isn't necessarily the biggest problem because it doesn't change any sort of actual like outcome of the game. It's just the cosmetic part of it. 
but then it also has the same level of problem when it comes to the amount of money being spent in a game, uh, you know, to actually get those cosmetics in the first place. And where I want to focus a lot of that, Kyle, is on Counter-Strike Go, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I consider it a gray area is because there are drops you can get in there at any point in time, you know, whether it is a case or whether it is a skin for something. Um, you know, so it is randomized in that case. You're not always going to get something. You're not going to get something when you level up all the time. It's just going to be randomized no matter what. But you have the ability to go and buy the skin that you want from the Steam community marketplace. However, those are not set prices. Those are not like default prices that go across the board. So you want a skin... I mean, chances are you could pay anywhere from like four cents up to, let me give you this example right now, Kyle, from the marketplace. This is for a uh, souvenir M4A1S with a uh, nitro skin, minimal wear, because they do grade these by the, by the look as well. Mm -hmm. There's one currently listed by someone on here for $2,217.25. Yeah. What do you think about that? But I mean, I I guess in in a sense, I this almost trade we had kind of touched on this saying that it it had touched into the uh NFT territory in this sense, but in a way not because the only value that they have is to the people that own them and to the people that will be buying them. So Really, beyond that, they ha the the skins have no value, and Steam has stated this, you know. Um, and Valve has been adamant about, you know, the fact that they they are non inclusive to the the NFT idea. Um, but to the same effect, I mean, it is totally random, and you know, maybe Valve only puts out so many skins and. You have to purchase the keys in order to open these chests, and you can actually just sell the chest in the first place. And like I said, when you unlock it, it's random. It, it it's not when you get it, it's random. It's when you unlock it. So it it doesn't necessarily mean that if someone unlocked it and got something that's going to be worth three thousand dollars, you could have unlocked it and got the same thing. Yeah, I don't know, like, I haven't actually seen any published statistics on how that works. Like, I don't know if there is, like, they create these things that have, like, limited, like, uh, values correlated to them to actually give that sort of drop. Because, yeah, I agree that, you know, then the market gets flooded with it, and then, you know, we have the potential for those prices to be lower. That That's just how supply and demand can work. Mm -hmm. But it, it's... Where it comes down still is the gray area is not only can you sell that gun I told you for just over $2,000, but it's also the fact, though, that Steam, Valve, excuse me, Valve takes a cut through this as well. They take a percentage of it. So when you go and set a price on something you want to sell, there's a percentage that Valve is going to take off of that, that sale as well. Um, for you to be able to, you know, put that up there and earn anything in the first place. So even though someone here is selling that gun for, you know, just over $2,000, they're going to lose potentially like anywhere from, I think, 3 to 5% of that to, 
Valve. Now, whether that is actually purchased with money that is already in your Steam wallet from you selling other things, or that's money that you've added in from your debit card, credit card, checking account, Steam gift cards, wherever, they're still collecting some type of money based off of that. And it's another way that Valve locks you into their platform as well, too, given that Steam is basically ubiquitous with any PC gamer that you want to get games on your computer, Steam's usually the first thing you think of installing. Mm -hmm. So that's why it kind of hits that gray area, that you are able to get these things without it impacting the ability to play your game. It doesn't give anybody a net advantage. But people can set whatever price they want. People will pay some of these ridiculous prices to get these things too. And Steam, or Valve, excuse me, takes a cut of it. But in that sense, they, I mean, they are pre-NFT culture being the a digital authenticator and facilitator of the transaction of, of a digital transaction, you know, between two people. True. I mean, that's also very true. That that that's basically what they're doing. So they're taking their cut of the fee to ensure that you know the data transfer and you know the fact that they're removing it from your account and putting it on someone else's account. I mean, someone at, at, does have to go in and actually say, "Oh, you don't have this anymore," and "Oh, this person has this now." Uh, technically, but I mean, really, that that's not really something that they would have to charge for. But I guess that. Pre-NFT culture, that's what they were doing. They were charging that fee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no kidding. No, that's that's we've joked about that constantly, that these were the first stage NFTs. Yeah. They really were for a lot of things. We were getting into it. I, I think really where it still comes into that gray area anyway, though, is that you can sell these and you can make that money on here, no problem, but you can't withdraw the money. No, you cannot. However, no. and you can spend what? the money on other games true or because that money is in your wallet in the first place you could go ahead and completely circumvent circumvent the system and maybe let's say you're not a fan of playing vr games you could go spend the money through the system on an index and go and take that index brand new in box and resell it and get that money that way i mean theoretically you could but theoretically i mean i i don't well i I, I'm not up and up on the logistics of the, the index. I, I don't know if it's it's probably not locked to your account, I would imagine, but it's not, no. But I'm just saying though, is that you you, Kyle, you had money in your Steam wallet that you used as your pre order money for your Steam deck, didn't you? This is true, yes. See? And you're getting something tangible that's actually a piece of hardware. Now, granted, it wasn't the full uh $400 I think is the one you got or did you get the top tier $500 one no I got the I got the top tier what is it $650 or whatever oh it was a six fifty. I can't remember what the prices were yeah, I think but it, I think it was 650 I don't recall while you did not yeah. pay like why you did not have all of that money in your steam wallet to pay for it there at that one time you did however have that money there you couldn't spend anywhere else to turn it into something tangible and physical that you could then turn around and make a profit on so to speak you know it's just one of those things. And that Steam Deck is not locked down to you. It won't be, you know? Right. So that's what I'm just saying, though, is that 
that's the only way you can get around it. And so that's why it's that interesting gray area where you're able to sell these things and make some money back, but you can't pull the money out unless you can find a way to you know, circumvent the system by buying something physical. But I can't imagine, like, here's what gets to me. So I'm looking at one of these other guns here that price is lower, okay? It's a it's another M4A1S, and it's the Imminent Danger field-tested. This gun had a sale on June 12th at 7 p.m. for $1,178.49. Another sale on June 16th at $940.84. Another one on June 18th, for $1,041.91, another one on July 7th for $815.13, and then another one on July 7th for $1,016 and a penny. Holy cow. So there are people buying these things and getting them out there and around there, but I just... mm. Yeah. You know, that's why I consider it kind of that... It's That's why I consider it at least like the Steam side of things a gray area. Because nobody else in the industry right now with the microtransaction like base cosmetics and things has any of this stuff figured out. They're trying with NFTs, but we've already seen how that's going so far. Yeah, we've I mean, seen how much everything's imploding. Right. I, I what was it? The 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 quartz that was it uh Ubisoft? Ubisoft? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, mean they're still doing. Well, it's already crashed. I mean, the game is closing here soon. I'm there. It's not going to be referring to as Ghost Recon Breakpoint, right? Yeah, it's not even going to be a tradable thing, and they haven't guaranteed that it's going to continue on to any other um, actual uh, Tom Clancy game. So, at this point, it might be a defunct uh, NFT that. You know, you you spent money on to to just get this stupid mask or pair of pants with a number on it that you're the only one with that number. Yeah, and I mean, I know we can go on about NFTs for days, but I mean, that's really what the whole microtransaction model comes down to anyway, is that ability to be able to buy stuff that has some sort of worth to you and potentially has worth to others. But of course, the difference is like what Valve is got here with the stuff in the marketplace and what people are getting with nfts anyway i mean it all circles around back to like microtransactions as is yeah it's just that those couple things have some real world value to them in you know in some form so and i i think really and truly the 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 skins are probably the most predatory i mean you look at games like tune blast and stuff yeah they they have their their you know oh i i need to buy coins for to to you know beat this level or buy a couple extra items um yeah there there are people that probably spend thousands of dollars on that but when it comes to to the the skins and stuff the stuff that has Mm -hmm. a physical look that other people see that gives you a symbol of status and or a perceived symbol of status i should say especially you know in in the minds of young children where they're like, oh, well, that person has that. That's really cool. Why can't I have that? Yeah, that's that's the real predatory problem here is is how impressionable a lot of this stuff is on on kids and those who just don't understand those who just don't have a grasp of what they're actually getting themselves into. Yeah, I, I shouldn't and, even say the minds of children. Yeah, I mean. 
it it's predatory enough it could be addictive um just like gambling could to a, you know adults well right that's exactly why yeah. i made the comment I mean, about it, the gambling stuff anyway too it's it's one of those things that has an addictive quality to it that's going to make you keep coming back for more and the push into nft stuff anyway doesn't help that either because all of these people have peddled them as a status symbol and we've mm-hmm. seen what you know the value has turned into you know i mean for us kyle in the world of microtransactions you and i are not shy to them anyway in the first place we've done battle passes for things like warzone and halo infinite i know you did i think one battle pass for diablo immortal mm-hmm. and that was it um you know we paid into some other things i think we've probably spent money on um you know keys and counter strike we've probably bought some skins uh or loot boxes at least for like overwatch as well too so it's oh, not yeah. like we are shy or have not experienced any of this microtransaction stuff before, but we know what we're getting into and we can set limits for ourselves that other people may not be able to. Yeah. And we could say that probably for a lot of people though, but there's still a lot who, you know, $65 billion potentially this year. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, there was a, there was a point even, uh, when Mike, uh, when, what was it? Overwatch had just first launched that every paycheck, if, if I had enough, at the end of the paycheck, I, I was going to try and spend like $5 just for loot boxes just to see if I could draw something that was neat for a character, uh, you know, a spray or a skin or a voice line, you know, and it, yeah, it was yeah, something yeah, yeah. that was like it, it was like a cool yippee me. I have an extra $5, you know, I'm not buying a candy bar. I'm buying five skins on a on a game, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's it's. I agree with you, especially on that one, because it's, yeah, it's just, it, it becomes, it ends up becoming a habit and becomes a problem. Like, when did you finally realize for yourself that you needed to stop doing that? Like, did, like, did you well, realize that it wasn't worth it anymore or? It, it wasn't necessarily even a habit. It was just like every now and then if I had the extra five bucks in my account that, and I, I had been playing it like frequently that, that week, I, I'd go, ah, you know what, whatever, you know. But I I don't think it ever became like a like truly truly weekly thing or you know every paycheck thing it was it was like I did it like probably twice um my first two paychecks okay. and then later on a couple times and then you know a couple times later on type thing but I I never saw it as a problem because I was like you know it's it's just kind of neat it's kind of whatever and you know I knew what I was spending my money on I, I knew I. I was basically throwing it away. And see, at least, I mean, you at least recognize that, you know, and that that's key there. My idea, at least on stuff, is that I got curious about things. They're like paying for the, the Warzone battle pass. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I see these other things I can get, but that had a net advantage with it, though, that it wasn't skins, or, or excuse me, just skins. Um, you might unlock a weapon combo that you might not be able to tear apart and do different things with, but you have this weapon that, you can't unlock unless you progress regularly and now you can go in and maybe have that additional bonus to it. So mm-hmm. I got curious about how that was going to go and I did it once and I haven't done a Warzone battle pass hell. I haven't even played Warzone in a couple years either. So I'm well probably about a year now anyway. But needless to say, you know, it's 
one of those things that gets people curious about trying anyway, and that's not necessarily a problem. It's just how much more they hound you after the fact, though, to go in and buy it again, to pay for it again, to invest in it again. See, I think the one that really got me, and um, this might shock you to find out, actually, is actually Apex when it had first la- uh, launched. Um, I I probably did the battle pass. I think five or six times. Well, maybe not that many times. I think it was like four or five times. But I never finished it. I never got past like level 40. Uh, and this was on the uh, console version, of course. And okay. it it was about the time that I had realized that I spent like $120 on a game that I barely ever play. You know? Oh, nice. Um, And I think at the same time, I was paying for like a PUBG battle pass for like two months in a row. And I, I, I think I touched it like once in those two months. Oh, really? Yeah. So just basically money that you had spent that's just sitting there then. Y- yeah, pretty much. And I, I like it was, it was the fact that I wasn't actually progressing past. Like, I think it was like level 20 actually on apex each month or 25. And I was just like, you know, it, it's not really worth it because I'm only, I'm only getting this much of the percentage of the advantage from the money, you know, considering you, you get so many things for free, you know, every level, every so many levels. So I, I was basically wasting, wasting money at that point. And that, that's when, but I mean, that, that's not so much microtransactions as it was the battle passes. And, but you know, it's still, it's that same type of predatory behavior. It's just, you know, it becomes easier to forget about and then respend that same money. I, I I feel like. Yeah. Cause you exactly is that you go and spend the money and then you, you know, it's almost like a set it and forget it because it just becomes habit to go in and just keep doing it. Even if you don't use it all the way. Yeah. I guess where I'm, I guess where I'm grateful in that case is that because we've paid for the battle passes for halo infinite now for both of the multiplayer seasons that have been out so far, um, that we've been able to hit level 100, you know, with relative ease, get it done and over with. And now that they've offered the additional uh, changes in season two, where we earn currency that we can now use to pay for the next battle pass for season three, you know, we got our money's worth out of it. And it's now something we can go and buy without actually having to go spend more money on it again. Right. So that's another one of those interesting ones compared to the rest of the battle passes out there that we've got our money's worth from compared well, to you know, maybe some of these other ones we've, we've spent before. And that, that was the thing with apex when I was spending money on the battle passes, you could, if you got to level 100 and you didn't spend any of the, the, the money that you earned, um, you could use that in-game currency that you earned from the battle pass to rebuy the next season battle pass. And I was always chasing that idea that I was going to play it enough to actually buy that next battle pass. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and never ended up, you know, even close to there. <laughs> Missed it by that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't really talk about any of the the past past stuff when it came to microtransactions because I think for a lot of where things are at right now, I think there's a good foundational understanding of just like kind of like where the microtransaction situation started out at and you know, with a lot of the mobile game stuff. And then, of course, now what we're seeing adapted to in the in the general video game space as it relates to console and PC games. Well, we, with at least the we ad- not forget. With the adoption of free-to-play. 
Yeah, at least we not what? forget that the microtransaction was actually started by Bethesda and Horse Armor. Horse Armor. Horse Armor. <laughs> Which game was that in particular? Uh, that was Oblivion. Well, way to go, Bethesda. Way to, yeah. but way to mess up our future with that one. And it was a no. uh, four ninety nine uh, transaction, and even they said they don't know why they priced it so high, because it wasn't worth, but you know maybe a buck or two, and it was just you know that that's what the price they set. You know, oh maybe this will be what they're at. So it kind of became a general standard after a long time. Awesome. Well, Kyle, let's let's leave it at this then with final thoughts on the microtransaction economy and where you think we're going to start seeing things, you know, going forward. Like, you know, give give me your thoughts on what you're thinking we're going to be seeing. Like what game is going to monetize next with with the microtransactions? What what's going to change for us? Like are we going to see prices go up? Are we going to see prices go down? Are we going to see less games focus on microtransactions more with microtransactions like g- give me your thoughts on what the future is looking like from what we've seen already the last you know five years so your next big microtransaction game um in my mind is going to be skate since they just announced that that one is going to be free to play and you know open world and whatnot. oh yeah that's and, right yeah it's it's basically going to be a get online and skate with your buddies I think that's going to be your your next big heavy hitter microtransaction game being able to, you know, especially customize decks and customize skateware for your characters. I I could see that being um to- getting totally egregious like almost spending real world money on, you know, the same t-shirt that you bought, you know, at at Zoomies for an in-game item. Um but who knows. It it's hard to say. Um, other than that, I think for in-game items, we definitely need to see some sort of like decline in price, especially with you know not not just necessarily where the U.S. economy is, and I, I think the world economy and where you know the actual value is in the thing. We're seeing games now that are these long-term games finally shutting down and. You know, saying goodbye to 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 actually being serviced. I mean, you'll still be able to play them and download them, but I mean, they're not going to play online anymore. And you know, what what are you going to do with the the game skins then, except for maybe enjoy them in single player if it's allowed in that particular game? So I I think I don't know I. I would hope that they get less expensive, but I, I don't think we've seen the, the end of price hikes in certain games, but who knows? Yeah, and I, I'm of the same mindset. I, I think one of the big things is we're going to see, I think Skate's a good example. Um, we've already had commitments. I put that in quotes. Commitments for some of these future games coming up, like Diablo 4, for example. After what we've seen out of Diablo Immortal, uh, Blizzard has come out and said that the only type of microtransaction stuff they're going to have in there anyway is going to be cosmetic-based. There's not going to be anything that deals with abilities or anything of such, so there's still going to be something there, but it's not going to be 
it's not going to be like grossly like over the top like we see like with Diablo Immortal, for example, but it's still going to be there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got like what you even said too, like what Ubisoft has been doing with their NFT platform and Quartz. It's like, what is their next microtransaction model going to potentially be? Are they going to get, are they going to continue to invest heavily into Quartz or are we going to see a different thing come up here where they're going to make you pay more and more for the next uh, division game that's coming out, which surprisingly the next division game is going to be mobile. There's that. Uh, we've got Halo Infinite that's still going on as well, too. And the supposed change to Halo Master Chief Collection to introduce microtransactions for different skins and items. Um, and- I mean, the, the world is looking kind of, I would want to say bleak when it comes to microtransactions, but it's definitely starting to become oversaturated to the point that you can't escape it. So that's $65 billion on in-game purchases this year alone. I we're going to hit it probably no problem next well, year is probably you, be at least another about, 30% more yeah yeah and you think about there's one we didn't even touch on and we can't necessarily yet because there's not a lot of information about it that being midnight society's new game oh yes the doctor disrespect nft game yeah we because have you no have idea what's going an, on you you'll have to purchase an nft in order to even play the beta yeah, that's it's not even the beta. It's actually more alpha. They're going to be doing yeah. segments of the game that you'll go in and actually oh, that's, demo. That's right. that's Instead right. of it being a beta where it's more fleshed out in that, it's more like the stuff that you would do in development that you'd have your QA team going through, not yeah, what you're, you're handing off to the to the uh, masses. Basically buying a digital piece of art in order to become a beta tester. So you're you're buying art to do someone's job for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You are, but it's just going to continue to add up more and more. And I'm hoping that we actually do get some laws and regulations in place to help kind of quash some of it because, you know, these companies are going to want to continue to make money, whatever, but there's got to be some better mechanisms and better ways out there to lock this stuff down. Yeah, I agree. But, I think that's where we'll leave it because it looks like we're going to have to go and spend some more money here to be able to get some more uh, NPCs, tokens, NPC coin to uh, continue the rest of this because we are exiting the season. No, not really. We're just finishing the episode here. But with that, (laughs) that is it for this week's episode talking about microtransactions. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining in with us. Of course, if you are listening to us, you must like listening to us. So be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So whenever a new episode goes live, it will download to your device automatically, whether that be on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, you name it, we're probably on there. If you want to find those platforms and all the others we're on, go check out our homepage, anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast, where we also got our links to social media and our YouTube channel as well, too. With that, of course, that is it for this week. So thank you so much, everybody. And we will catch you all in the next episode. Laters. <laughs>